welcome to the Hockey Minds Podcast. This podcast is powered by My Hockey Resource and Instat, the leader in video and data analysis. Instat Hockey supports all levels of our game worldwide with video breakdowns and or scouting services. For more information, visit Instat on the web at instatsport.com or on Twitter at Instat Hockey. Today I'm joined by Patrice Bosch, head coach with Geneva Servette Elite U20. Pat is a tenured coach in the industry with a multitude of experiences at the junior level. Having taken advantage of various programs such as Team Canada East and Team Quebec, he also has a lot to offer in terms of tournament experience and its benefits, which I'm sure listeners will be excited to hear about. With that, I am happy to present Patrice Bosch, head coach with Geneva Servette Elite U20. Lately, you've heard us talk about DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports, and how Payday can come every day by entering their contests with huge cash prizes up for grabs. This week is jam-packed with action, ranging from basketball to golf, and DraftKings has plenty of ways for you to have a front-row seat to all of the action. Making a lineup on DraftKings adds excitement to every night and is simple to do. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every moment means more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Each player has a salary associated with drafting them. Assemble a lineup of players while staying under the salary cap, and then sit back and watch your points pile up. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to users across all sports. And DraftKings is the leader in daily fantasy sports, so there is no better place to get in on all the action. Now that you know how to play, download the DraftKings app and sign up using code THPN. New users will get a free entry with their first deposit. That's code THPN to get a free entry with your first deposit, only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Patrice Bosch, head coach with Geneva Servette Elite U20. Pat, thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you on, and I'm really excited to talk about uh, some of your experiences. Uh, people who know your name know you've spent uh, quite some time coaching in hockey, a lot of Eastern Canada and Quebec uh, major junior league experiences, but also some experiences in Europe. So we'll walk through a lot of those throughout the interview, but let's start off by learning about you personally. Uh, speak about your upbringing, who you are as a person, and then playing sports throughout your early years. Well, I'm a, I'm a Montreal native. I, I grew up on the south shore of Montreal. Um, um, I've got a, a wife, girlfriend, and we raised four kids. At some point, uh, we had four kids, uh, two cats, one dog, so it was pretty busy at home. But uh, I always kept the passion alive uh, once I was done playing. Um, I was lucky enough to get a junior A coach, and we'll talk about that maybe a little later, but uh, I always stayed in the game. I mean, there's not a single year that I sat out for a full year. I was lucky and fortunate enough, so uh, I'm just uh, a very passionate guy. I like to think I'm a student of the game. Um, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to, uh, to exchange about the game, and uh, myself, I've changed opinions. I've changed a lot in the past few years of my thinking, the way I was thinking about the game, so uh, I'm just a little Montreal guy that uh, grew up loving the game and 
lucky enough to to remain in the game. Yeah, and you've remained in the game in a number of positions, and definitely that passion pushed you in towards a career in coaching. Uh, you talk about that continual learning as a coach. It's also something you're able to do as a player. And for you, you had some time playing in Europe as well in Switzerland. Uh, just talk about that stage of your career and some of the lessons that you learned uh, on the ice as opposed to on the bench. Well, <clears throat> the way it started was pretty funny. Is that actually there's an agent that contacted my brother who's uh, playing at the collegial league at that time, and and uh, my my father who's passed away now was born in, and raised in Switzerland. So my dad is as a Swiss. We were able to get the Swiss passport. So playing in Europe, we, we count as a Swiss player. So really the way it started is that uh, there's a Swiss team that was interested in my brother and the agent that we had made a package deal and kept me in the deal. So uh, uh, this being said, two weeks after we, uh, we got into Zurich, Switzerland, uh, my brother didn't like it. So he flew back home and I stayed. So fortunate enough, I, uh, I, uh, <clears throat> I stayed over to Switzerland for a total of eight years, eight seasons where I, I, uh, I grew up a lot as a person, uh, which, which I consider was a lot of tough times. I mean, uh, in those days, there were no internet. There was, it was hard to get a phone call. You get a phone call on a Wednesday night, on a, on a Saturday night. So uh, I like to think I grew up a lot as a person there. And, uh, and then I played, and I was fortunate enough to, uh, to uh, grow in, in, in the game over here and got to play some pro games here in Switzerland. And then... Uh, then came back home and tried to share as much as I could with the people uh, in hockey back home. Yeah, and, and that sharing and looking to give back into the game led you into your first coaching roles in junior A. Uh, just talk about those initial experiences and how maybe they set up your coaching career moving forward. Well, it's funny because the first uh, coaching job I ever got was um, after I played in Switzerland. I went for uh, I was skating in the WPHL in, down in Texas, in Killing, Texas. And, uh, and that, at the time, it was, I believe, in late October, November. And um, I, I got injured again, and, and I was released from camp. And uh, I decided that I, st I would stop playing. So for the first time, I would get that real job. And um, my brother was coaching at, you know, like a very low level, at peewee level, like peewee C. And he asked me to come out for practices to help him out. And I wasn't really interested at the time. And I ended up saying yes. So I went there. Then after doing a couple of practices, I really enjoyed it. And he asked me to come behind the bench. So I went behind the bench at the PVC level. And then that's where it all started. I mean, that was my first year coaching. I was an assistant coach in PVC. Then, uh, then I got a job the year after in junior hockey. And then it went all from there. That's, what, that's how it started. Yeah, it's always interesting to hear the different um, entry points that there yeah. are in the game, and definitely that's one of them. And, uh, you know, early in your career, you had a couple different roles. You would move from team to team there as you quickly progressed, and uh, one of them were the Mustangs in Junior A, and you would add the title general manager with that team uh, yeah. in addition to your coaching role. How did this change your day-to-day -day tasks, and how did that initial management experience go, you know, being so early in your coaching career? Well, it's pretty funny because the Mustang, Vaudre Mustang, were a new franchise. And uh, we had an ownership, uh, Elias Basile, who was pretty intense as a man. And I really enjoyed working with him. It wasn't easy every day, but once you got to know the person, you understood how he was. And the first year of the franchise, we won nine games in the entire season. 
mean, it's a long season when you win only nine games out of 70 games, right? And uh, for some reason, the ownership kept me for the following year, and and it all escalated from there because in the second year with, uh, I believe it was 12 guys that won only nine games in the first year, we won a championship in the second year only. I believe it was the first time it's ever been done in junior hockey. And, and all this, you know, because the ownership that we had uh, showed me a lot of trust. It, was, it would have been easy to hear and listen to everybody around and say, change your young coach. It's not working. So he kept me in. And, and obviously, um, we, uh, he didn't have, the owners didn't have any knowledge about the game and the, the players and stuff. So that's when I stepped in as doing all some, you know, the GM stuff and then the scouting and all that stuff. And then I had three great seasons with the Mustangs, uh, great years, uh, great success. And then uh, this opened up a lot, of, a lot of doors because that championship in the second year was something that uh, really helped me down the road because, you know, winning, people like to have guys that won at some point, right? So you got to win. Yeah, for sure. Anytime you win a championship, obviously, uh, automatically, you'll have eyes on you and people looking to either mimic what you did or bring you into their own own organization. And you talk about some opportunities that would open up for you. And a lot of times at that level, when coaches are are looking to get a feel for, um, you know, maybe something more or people are looking to test you a little bit, they'll get involved with some short term tournaments and things like that. And one of those for you was Team Canada East as an assistant coach, uh, just talk about your time at that program and the experience of working with those players uh, in a couple different tournaments in the assistant coaching role. Well, the reason why I, uh, I started applying with all these, uh, you know, Team Canada East jobs, the Team Quebec jobs is because at the time, um, I was getting interest from some of the major junior teams. But uh, like I said before, we're raising a family of four kids. Um, the salaries were not that big. I had a very good job in a natural gas company in Montreal. So I felt that in order to stay up to date in the game, I had to do something. So my options were very limited. So I had to find a way to get into the Team Quebec stuff, the Team Canada East stuff. And uh, that was a good way for me to stay up to date and, and add stuff to my resume instead of just doing the normal Junior A stuff if I wanted to be kept up to date with the, the big boys in hockey, I would say. So the Team Canada East has been one of the best uh, experiences of my life, uh, my hockey life, because uh, first of all, for the people that I worked with, I worked with a lot of great people and I, I don't want to miss out any names, but there's a lot of guys out there that came out with a different philosophy, uh, different way of thinking. Uh, the first three World Junior Challenge, I was an assistant coach. These uh, First three championship, uh, world championship, I was working with Mark Grady, who's the head coach, and Todd Gill, the two other ones. And just different philosophy. And same thing with the assistant coaches that we had. You know, they came out with a way to work that were different. Um, for sure, it was more, a lot difficult for me because at the time I had a full-time job, which not many people knew. So every time we had a meeting, a conference call, I had to find a way to tell my boss I was going to be out for an appointment and back. and. Uh, I did a lot of interviews uh, with Hockey Canada, uh, being in the parking lot in my car, uh, stuff like that. So you have to do stuff that um, you have to do extra stuff in order to be able to remain in that group. But it was a great experience. I coached a lot of great guys that are now in the NHL. Uh, I coached a lot of good coaches. I coached a lot of good teams. 
good players. I had a little bit of knowledge of the European game because I played in Europe. So obviously we played, you know, Switzerland, Sweden, Finland, Russia, the US. Um, you learn a lot, you learn a lot and you exchange a lot. And I'm not there to learn. I was there to, uh, to get a, a gold medal, which didn't happen. We had a silver medal that one year in Penticton with a 4-1 lead against USA, and then we lost that. The USA had a great hockey team too, but the boys that we had, and where a lot of them are in the NHL now, uh, we came very close. That was the main goal. It didn't happen. And a few years later, I came back as a scout. Uh, I was hired as a Quebec scout. And the following year, the following two years, actually, I came back as a head coach. Uh, things didn't work out the way we wanted, but... Uh, I thought we did pretty well with the players and the group that we had there. But the whole Team Canada East experience is great because when you go there, I mean, anything you can do with Hockey Canada, you got to do it. You have to make the effort to do it. You have to spend the time to do it. It's very professional. Um, I'm very grateful and, and happy that I had the chance to do all that stuff. Definitely. Uh, you know, it's a, an amazing experience and it is a you know, generally a short tournament or so you kind yeah. of have to work quickly, but uh, gives you the the feel of, of maybe the next level opportunity. And like you said, where you're looking at potentially moving to uh, major junior, you know, you got to have those ways to stay relevant and and uh, continually work with the top players in that area. Yeah. Another experience there you mentioned was Team Quebec and, and you talked about that a little bit. Um, you know, working with that organization again multiple times, you're able to do it as both an assistant and a head coach. Yeah. Uh, maybe just looking at the head coaching experience with Team Quebec, uh, how does that change your approach to that kind of tournament? And and just generally, um, how did the experience go working with Team Quebec overall? Well, you know, when you uh, go in a short-term event, it's a lot different than a, than a, than a hockey season. I mean, obviously, uh, it's it being a short-term, you don't get to know the player as much. Uh, so you have to get, you have to to make sure that you lead the way right away. You have to make sure that you get things done the way you want quickly. You don't have much time. You need to get as much information as you can about the players. But it was very important for me to work with the team Quebec because this is where I'm from. This is where all these players that I knew that that were going to be the superstars in the futures are going to be. So it was very important for me to work with them to get a good feel of. Um, the next generation of players going major junior when we did the under 16, the under 15. And uh, actually I did the under 15 coming back from major junior. So that was a way for me to give back to hockey Quebec. Who's giving me a lot. I mean, I do conferences for them now. Uh, I do supervision for coaches when they ask me to. So doing the U15 uh, thing was a way for me to give back to them, but it was a great experience at a, great assistant coaches and uh, Louis Robita was on Gatna was one of my assistant coach and and we had a good staff I mean uh, so 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 to be all these things are stuff that I think every coach should do or at least should try to do yes it does take a lot of your time it does take a lot of energy um, you need to be very well organized in your own club if you're going to leave for two weeks you're going to leave for a month you're going to leave and you have to have trust with the people you work but that's definitely something I would do that do again like anytime yeah they're just tremendous experiences as we've talked about here a couple of times and i was always interested in hearing uh, team quebec where the provincial uh setup is a little bit different than say team canada east but definitely beneficial as well um you know throughout that conversation you talked about wanting to move on to the next level 
And in 2012, you would move to the QMJHL and you found yourself coaching in Bay Como. Um, yeah. How did your approach to coaching change as a result of moving to the junior level? And just talk about the whole experience of that move uh, for you personally. I had the, I could have gone to major junior a little bit before. Um, there was a few chances. And you know, when you look back, you know, you kind of think, should I, um, did I make the right decision? Um, but at the time for my personal life, it wasn't the right timing. Um, going to Bekomo was a very good decision of myself. I got to work with Eric Veilleur, who uh, was now in Syracuse. And Eric was, uh, he had won the Memorial Cup the year before. Uh, Eric's got a lot of experience in the queue. And, and for me to start in the queue, I think I started with the best guy I could start with. Like, you know, we got along very well. It took myself, I would say, a good two, three months to adjust. I was always a head coach, so now I, I, I get to become I'm an assistant coach. I need to adjust to Eric as a head coach. I need to adjust what's an assistant coach do a job. Man, really, I knew it, it was, but I never done it, right? So it took me, I would say, uh, two, three months to adjust to that. But after that, I thought uh, me and Eric, had, we were a pretty good team together. I mean, we had uh, another video coach uh, who was there with us also and and a great staff surrounding ourselves. But I thought we worked pretty well. We were pretty successful too. Uh, we lost the major junior finals to the Halifax Moosehead. Uh, I thought we had a pretty good group, good group of kids playing. But this being said, I think I started to become on the right market where hockey is very important, a small town up north where hockey is huge. And uh, I think starting with uh, Steve Ayer and the GM and Eric Gray was a good, good start for me. Yeah, that first opportunity is you always want to make sure that you're going into a situation where you can really learn. And, yeah. um, you know, some people you know, looking at the QMJHL, initially their thoughts go to the Quebec Ramparts or the Halifax Mooseheads. But there's so many organizations that uh, you can, you know, maybe gain more responsibility and and really uh, have an opportunity to learn more in a short amount of time. And Bay Como yeah. is always a team that interests me personally. And it was just interesting to hear about your experience moving in there and and obviously having a, a great coaching relationship with the head coach. Um, yeah. You know, following that, you also had an opportunity again to go into a short tournament, this time with the Canada U18 squad. Um, just talk about working there as a guest coach and what you took from that brief experience now having a little bit of time in the QMJHL. Yeah, well, I got a phone call. I was on vacation with the family and, and, and I got a phone call from uh, Hockey Canada asking me if I'd be interested to go to, down to Calgary for... Uh, I believe it was 10 days to, to help them out with the U18 camp. Uh, obviously I said, yes, because again, it goes with what, I, what I'm thinking. You got to do a little bit more if you want to become a little bit more, right? So I went down there and there's you know, great coaching staff. Uh, again, Hockey Canada was top notch, number one. A lot of good players, Mitch Marner, Barzal, all these guys were out there. And, and we got to exchange a lot with the coaches too. So our job was to help out and, and coach you know, we had team uh, white, team red. So I was coaching team white with uh, Brent Kissio, who's now in the WHL. And uh, we got along great. We got along great. Brent also has a Swiss passport, by the way. So we might see him one day here in Switzerland. We never know. But um, no, it was a great experience. Again, exchanging at night uh, over assistance, over stuff with the other coaches. Uh, working on the ice with the players, which were at the time the top 44 players in the country. 
a lot of them are you know on the NHL very successful right now so um, I like that I really 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 enjoy that um, again it, anytime you can exchange you can learn um, and, and it's not it's not only a matter of going out there and trying to learn it, it's trying to, to, to judge yourself, compare, compare yourself to other coaches, to what level where you are. And it's, to me, you don't, you don't get jobs just to go and learn. You, you get jobs to show what you can do to help the team too and, and help the team progress. And, and that team did pretty well also at the Lincoln tournament that year. So that was good. Yeah, it's a great self-comparison opportunity for yourself yeah. to really see where you stand and um, you know, as people know, a lot of times in that tournament, as I also mentioned before, uh, teams will look at it to judge you as well. And clearly somebody thought you were ready to take in that head coaching role. And soon enough, you'd find yourself in the Shakutami and having the opportunity to now work as a head coach in the QMJHL. Uh, talk about how that opportunity presented itself. And then now the experience of working as a head coach at that level. Well, that's pretty funny because here's how things work. I was, like I said, working in a natural gas company with uh, you know, full pension and all that stuff. So I took a year a leave of absence for a year and added a second year. So really, I was going down to major junior to coach to become for a two-year contract. So after that year, that first year where we went to the finals with Eric and the team, um, all of a sudden I get all these phone calls from four or five teams asking me if I'd be interested to be a head coach. Um, now I've got two years to decide if I'm going back to my normal job or if I'm staying major junior with a family of four kids. So really, I didn't have much time. I wish I had three years to take that decision. I knew Bekomo had an awesome team and they went to the finals again. Uh, I knew Eric was on the verge to move up to pro hockey. Uh, I knew at the time that Steve Aaron, the GM, was interested in giving me the team if Eric was leaving. Uh, you know, so... I wish I had more time, but I didn't. So I had two years to make that decision. So if I was going to go back, so when the phone call rang, I mean, I was um, I had a decision to take if I was going to take over that head coach position on a team that that really was struggling. Uh, and, and I mean, when I say that, I'm not blaming the coaching staff that were there before because I thought they did a pretty good job of what they had. But overall, the structure, the draft choices, the young guys coming out. There was not much. So I knew that. So I knew the challenge was going to be huge. So the way it happened was I was at the Hockey Quebec uh, U16 camp. And I get a phone call from GM Mark Fortz. He was an uh, ex-NHL or Mark uh, from the Quebec Nordiques. And he calls me up and he said, Pat, we have a, you know, a change of uh, coaches. And, and the reason why there was a huge change of coaches in Quebec that year is because Patrick Quart took the job in Colorado. So he left with Mario Drummel from Drummondville. He left with Tandri Tourigny from Rouen. And uh, Gilles Bouchard from Tree River University took over Rouen. And the Shkudimi head coach took over Tree River University. So there was a lot of jobs open. So I get a phone call from Mark and he said, I tell him, yeah, I, I am interested in, uh, in, in at least talking to you to see you know, if we have a fit. And he said, finish your week down with Hockey Quebec and we'll meet after. So we met... Uh, the basement of a gym that was closed in Quebec City and then we spoke we spoke we spoke and I thought I thought the interview went pretty well with uh, the management and Mark and I, I told him I was on my way to Bekomo to go back home with the family because my family was in Bekomo when I went down to Montreal for that camp 
And uh, I was staying over at the hotel that night and he calls me back and he says, I want to go for breakfast tomorrow morning. So I, you know, Steve Aaron, the GM Becomo calls me at the time and he said, uh, are you sure you want to take over the job? We need to talk. And like I said, I was pretty stuck because I only had two years. So I ended up going to breakfast with Mark and, and obviously whenever you're a coach and like all these coaches that are listening right now, everybody wants to take over a challenge at the next level. Uh, time frame was against me. So really I took over the job right away. Uh, I was actually hired about a week before training camp. So I had a week to prepare a training camp. So honestly, everything I've done is out of the ordinary in my career because everything I've done is like the reverse way. So to me, it was business as usual, right? So I was hired about a week before camp and I didn't really know much of the players, only the guys that we had in the game plan when I was in Bekomo. And, uh, and we went from there and I just jumped right into it and, and did the best we could. That's why I ended up in Nishkurimi. Yeah, it's a whirlwind experience sometimes of, of going into a team. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate. And sometimes you feel like there's no opportunities. And then next thing you know, you, you get a call and you have three or four teams trying to reach out to you in, in the span of four or five days. And uh, a lot of times it, it can be a very rushed decision, but uh, you kind of got to go with your gut in those opportunities and, and make the best of, of the decision you made, which I'm sure you did in Shikutami. Well, I'll tell you something that, 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 that really amazed me in the world of hockey is that, you know, like I said at the time, I probably had at least three, four teams calling me for head coach interviews. And, and, and the funny part is, is today, and it's just not for me, but most coaches, today I've got a lot more experience. I think I'm probably 200 times a better coach than I was at the time then. And the phone used to ring a lot more before when you're a young guy with less experience because I don't know how things work, but sometimes, and, and, and a lot of guys in the queue have been successful. I'm looking at uh, Mario Zogashi, uh, Mario Puglia. These guys were head coach. They left, they came back, they were assistant coach, and they won the championship. So I just thought it was hilarious to get all these phone calls after my first year. And then after a few years, because things didn't work out in Shikudimi, I still got some phone calls. I really appreciate that. A lot of guys called me at a call, phone call in September asking me if I would go back as an assistant coach. And I really appreciate that. But uh, I just thought maybe sometimes if you look a little further, guys with a little more experience, I would have been you know, readier to, to take over a job like that. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a, a great point to make. And sometimes it's strange how, again, the industry yeah. works that way. Where yeah. Yeah. A lot of times with less experience, you'll get the calls and then uh, other times yeah. you're waiting. But that's good things come to those who wait. And, and that's the, the process. And, uh, you know, following your time in Shikutami, you took some work uh, with Swiss hockey as an advisor, doing different forms of analysis. And um, just touch on those experiences and maybe how they differed from your roles um, in tournaments with like Quebec and Canada's uh, hockey organizations. I, uh, I was fired on uh, Friday night in Rimouski. I can't remember the date. I believe it was November 30th or something. And um, this, is, this is a funny story, but I don't know if you know that, but I was fired on Twitter. Uh, that's, that's a good one. Well, if you look in the... I'm behind the bench, and um, once we get between the first period and the second, I get in the locker room in, in the coach's office, and my GM is just in the corner, and his face is red, Mark. And he told me, he said, look at your text messages. You're going to love that. So 
I look at my text messages and I'm 100% sure that he made a trade for a 20 year old defenseman that I wanted since day one. And I've got a message from a famous journalist in Quebec saying, Pat, I'm sorry you've been fired and the news has to come out. And following that, I probably had 250 messages because it was all over Twitter that me and the GM were fired. So I was pretty upset. So my GM is trying to call the owner at the time who's not answering his phone, which is not a good sign, right? So I went back behind the bench to finish the game because what if I'm not fired? And then I'm just like, anyway, this being said, we're on the road and I got fired on the road. It's done, it's done. So it's on a Friday night. Uh, we didn't take the bus to go back home. Uh, I, I didn't want to get on the bus to go to Drummondville and then drive to Montreal or shooting you. didn't make sense. So me and the GM rented a car from Shkudimi, uh down to Quebec City. I stayed over in Quebec City that night. Um, my wife at the time was in a, in a tournament with my sons, and she had no idea I was, I was getting, I got fired. So uh, they're having a couple drinks in the hotels like they do in the tournaments, right? And everybody was telling her, I'm so sorry for Pat. And it's like, what are, you, what are you guys talking about? Like she doesn't know. So I got fired. And she said, well, you never told me that. So she sends me a message and said, how come you didn't tell me? Like, I, I can't tell you something I don't know, right? So this being said, on Friday night, I got fired. And on Monday morning, I was invited to TVA Sport for an interview about the way I was fired. So it was a live broadcast on a show, on a very famous show in Quebec, uh, asking me stuff about the, the, how did I get fired and the, you know, all these, you know, what my feelings about it and all that stuff. On my way out to the interview, my phone rings and it's John Foust, who's a Canadian coach in, uh, John was the, the, the coach of the Swiss Junior National team at the time, he's in Lausanne in the Pro League now. And he said, Pat, he said, I'm sorry about you losing your job, but he said, I might have something for you. I'm coaching the U20 uh, Swiss national team. We're going to be playing in the World Junior Championship, Montreal, Toronto. Would you be interested to work with us? Obviously, bad news brings out a good news. And they said, absolutely, absolutely. So I just made a couple of phone calls to the league to make sure I was okay with my contract and she couldn't even work with the Swiss team and all that stuff. And this is how I got to work with the Swiss national team. My job basically was to go and attend all the games in Montreal while the team was playing in Toronto and just do scouting reports on the, on the, on the Canadian team, the American team, the Slovaks and the Finns. So really what I did is I had three video coach working for me and I would, um, I would send them all the games. They would cut the games and I would make report and send it within 24 hours to the head coach you know, with the, about the, about the way Canada played, the rosters and all that stuff, real good scouting reports. So that's all I was doing, hoping that uh, when they crisscross in the semifinals and finals, then we have all that stuff ready because the coaching staff was taking care of the Toronto stuff. Unfortunately, that year they finished last in the division and they played for the relegation round against Germany. So the work I've done didn't really matter, but it was a huge experience again. Like I got to sit down with John Foose and Swiss coaches in the press conference, watching games, uh, exchanging with, uh, with them about uh, systems, what I'm supposed to see, what I'm, not, what I'm not supposed to see. So I really learned a lot and I really exchanged a lot and I appreciate that time. And the following year, John sent me to Lake Placid to, uh, to have a look at some of the young American players 
such as uh, Austin Matthews and Anifin and all these guys that were training there. So I did a little bit of scouting for the Finland, Finnish team with Tao and Line A and Pugliarvi and all these guys were there in the Swedes. So I went there to scout that tournament. So that's really the job I've done for the Swiss U20. It was great. Great experience again. Yeah, again, just another opportunity to learn something new and and yeah. uh, you know those opportunities again come all of a sudden. You're just driving uh, driving back home and and you get the call that uh, in yeah. a couple of weeks you got to jump you into know. a tournament. So um, you jump in and, and help where you can. And uh, definitely wasn't the result that you're hoping for for the team, but still um, an opportunity to try a new skill and um, just approach the game a little bit different in, the, uh, in that short tournament. Um, following that opportunity, you would have a couple more roles here in Canada, including one advising with Drummondville and uh, once again in Junior A. Um, just talk about all those opportunities, maybe starting with Drummondville and the chance to also help at the U19 level before eventually making the change to Europe. Well, I um, that, that was after the World Championship. Um, I, uh, I spoke with uh, Dominic Ricard who's the GM at the time in Drummondville. I did the interview with Dom for the Drummondville job that Marty Ramon got, and I was shooting me, right? So uh, at the time, there was a change of coach, coaching staff in, in Drummondville, and, and I was pretty much in a way offered or see if I was interested to take over the job. But again, I went back to my national gas company job at the end of the year. So it was the same story. Um, I wanted a long-term contract. John, Dom, Dom Ricard, the GM, his contract was finishing at the end of the year, so he wasn't able to give me a longer contract. I wasn't going to quit my job for maybe a four-month contract, so that didn't work out. And uh, and we spoke, and, and I don't know how, how that happened, but I ended up speaking with Dom, and he said, well, I said, I'd be interested to help you guys out with the European draft, with uh, some scouting if you want, whatever. And I did a little bit of work with them. Um, so my, my job really was to work the uh, European uh, draft. So I was gathering information, my, uh, my contracts, my contacts everywhere in Europe, like in Russia, Czech Republic, obviously in Switzerland, because I had a few in, in Sweden and Finland. So I came out with a, a list with Dom and all that stuff. But unfortunately, Dom, Dom was fired, and I believe it was the end of February. So again, the work I've done didn't really pay off because he wasn't there anymore. But but it was a different experience for me to work, uh, I would say, at the uh, administration level of hockey, like just scouting and stuff like that, which, which was different. And I like doing that because it kind of forced me to keep a good relationship going with some scouts and exchange about players and stuff. So I was really more of an advisor with them, but that didn't last long enough. But it was a great experience. Dom was a great guy to work with. I really appreciate him. Yeah, it's uh, just another opportunity once again to to learn something new. And, uh, you know, having been primarily a coach up until that point, uh, obviously some time in junior A as a general manager, uh, a little bit different being able to scout and recruit and, and work on that yeah. process and uh, maybe just open you up for more opportunities when they eventually come. And soon enough, you'd find yourself uh, – in Switzerland with Geneva Servet and uh, just talk about how that opportunity presented itself, how the experience has been thus far, and maybe touch on some of the ways that coaching in Switzerland is a little bit different than uh, what you've primarily done at junior in Canada. Yeah. Well, after that year with the Drummondville story, I, uh, I came back and I went to um, back to Granby as a general manager only. 
I didn't want to coach right away. I hired my former assistant coach and the Q to be the head coach. And I, um, I was a GM for a year, assistant GM for two years. Um, and then I, I, I was looking for something new. I was ready for a new challenge. I was hoping to get a leave of absence of two years again from the natural gas company, or I was looking to maybe move on and being a full-time coach, which is what I'm passionate about. This is what I wanted. And um, I was in Granby and uh, I, I, I kind of let a lot of people know that I was interested in a new challenge. Now, Geneva, the way it worked, the head coach of the U20 team, Patrick Emon, who's now the head coach of the pro team, was uh, my former assistant coach when I played in Lugano when I was 18, 19 years old, 20 years old. So Pat had been the Swiss champion with Geneva for the last two years, and he was promoted to the big team. He, uh, he was the guy I was talking to a lot in Switzerland about the uh, European draft uh, for a list of Swiss players and stuff. So we kept in contact. And at some point I had an offer in Switzerland and I called him and I asked, what do you think about this offer? Because there's another team that offered me something. And he told me to wait a little bit because maybe something better will come up, I'm sure. And, and I knew something was up. So when Pat moved on as a pro coach, he uh, kind of made sure that I was offered the, uh, to replace him, the U20 elite team. So I kind of got the job here in Switzerland because of Pat Emon. So I'm replacing him and he's down the hall with the pro team. I'm, I'm on the other side of the hall with the, the U20 elite team. So this is how I got the job in Switzerland. Hockey in Switzerland is a lot different than back home. And when I say a lot different, everything is different. Uh, if we talk about the way it's played, I'm not afraid to say that skill-wise, uh, I would say the Swiss player are maybe as good, if not better, than the North American kids. Here, um, like I'll give you an example. My assistant coach is a Russian, uh, Igor Fedulov, who's an international Russian player that played here for many years. We have skill session once a week. He's in charge of that. That's what he takes. He looks after. I've got a Finnish physiotherapist who is uh, doing the Raikkonen uh, Formula One in the past three years. So everybody here comes out with fresh ideas. We have a Swiss goalie coach. So everybody comes out with different ideas. And, and the way the game is played is there's so much skating, like a lot of skating, a lot of skating, a lot of pop movement. Um, you don't dump the puck. Like you keep the puck, you keep puck possession. It's a puck possession game a lot. Um, what differs a lot from back home, I would say, I like the, the North American grit. This is what's missing here. I think if the European here had more grit, uh, more desire, um, maybe we could have, I mean, North American hockey would be in trouble. It, it would be. We're on the ice here. We have uh, four practices a week of an hour and 15, an hour and 30. We have four off-ice session, and we have two games a week, sometimes three games a week. So... The kids here are really busy. Um, they work and go to school all day. They come out at, at night, they, they, they grab something to eat, uh, and then we go get on the ice. Starting next year, uh, what they'll do is they'll go to school in the morning. They have a lot, they'll, they'll have lunch here upstairs, and we're gonna have the entire afternoon to work on off ice and, and practices and stuff. This is gonna be a daily, like a weekly schedule uh, with a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, Thursday, practice and games on Wednesday and Sunday. This is just something that's really doing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of hockey here. They have a lot access to a lot of ice. There's a lot of free ice 
which we don't have back on, unfortunately. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, free hoist is definitely not uh, available in many places no. in Canada, but no, always um, interesting to hear about a new opportunity like that and just how maybe the role is a little bit different and um, you know, working to get the team on a, a schedule with that many practices and that many games, it's it's good to have some kind of structure, especially at the U20 level where it is a little bit different. But it was very interesting hearing about that overall. Yeah, well, if you talk about the the biggest difference, and I'm not going to go into details the way people play because if we go on the ice, the biggest difference on the ice to me, it's an ozone play. Uh, there's a lot of uh, patterns here with the Finnish coaches that they do stuff that I was like, whoa, what is that? So I looked on the video, analyzed everything, and then adjusted that stuff. But the main thing here compared to uh, back home, as I would say, is back home, if you go on a road trip, right, and you do a 19-hour road trip to Cape Breton, you come back, you need to rest the players. You have no choice. So they'll rest for a day. They'll practice for 40 minutes and they'll get ready for the next game the following day. Here, we have the privilege to say we film Friday, we film Sunday. So Monday and Tuesday, it's just development stuff. Like it's not like I don't I do a little bit of collective stuff on Tuesday. I will never do any collective stuff on Monday, some stuff on, on, on Thursday, but that's it. We have time to work individually with the players. We have time to work with the Ds, to work with the forwards. We take the time and we have the time to do that. Back home, it's not that the coach can't do that. Obviously they can, there's a lot of great coaches in Canada, but I think on when you're on a schedule, you play 82 games, 72 games, how can you do that? It's impossible. Kids go to school, they travel a lot. We don't travel as much here. So I would say, in Canada, you're in a recuperation mode more than anything else and preparation mode. While here, you have you add to this development. You can develop players in between that, which you don't have time to do back home. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something to consider. And uh, in a perfect world, definitely in Canada, there would be a, a little less travel and, and kind of working with that. And uh, it's something that you, you get to uh, maybe you don't really realize as much until you're in a situation like you are. Uh, having a little more time and being able to change your philosophy there and that's just the way that hockey is in Europe and that different pattern and you know you played a lot in Europe um, you know for you with that playing experience in Europe has that transition to coaching in Europe been easier than you expected or harder and uh, do you think it would be different if you had um, you know, pretty much just played in North America for the majority. Oh, I, I think it's easier. I think it's easier because I, I know the culture a little more. I lived there for eight years. I know the culture. I know, I know the people, how people think most likely. Um, I think it definitely is, is a plus for someone that played here to come and coach here because it, it's not that different. At the end of the day, a hockey game is a hockey game, right? But uh, I think the fact that I played here was a big help for my coaching, for understanding, and the fact that down the hall over there, I've got uh, two Canadian coaches and a Swiss coach that have been here for years, and and we have coffee every day and discuss the game every day. That that's really helpful for me, especially in my first year. My second year, it's a little bit easier for me. But the fact that I've got people in my my assistant coach, my goalie coach, uh, the stuff that we have here is really helpful. And the fact that things are, might be a little bit different. And it's the same thing for Europeans going to Canada. They need some adjustment time and I think it's the same thing over here yeah a great point and, and something I was interested in hearing about and maybe taking another step in that direction uh you know you're able to have a number of games played as a player and 
a lot of times we see coaches going in without that playing experience now. Um, do you feel that that playing experience has been beneficial in terms of being able to connect with players? Or do you think it's something that can be um, maybe not always necessary? You know what? I think it depends on the person. Sometimes you have guys that played that thinks because they played they know it all, which is not true. I played over 300 games in Europe, not at the top level, but I still played over 300 games. I think it depends really about your approach. I mean, some guys can be good coaches and they've never played. And, and a lot of them in the NHL with all the top records are guys that never played too. And, and some of them played and doing a great job too. So I really do. I think it depends on the people. But uh, one thing for sure, you can't think that because you played, you'll be a great coach. And you can't think because you never played that you can't coach. I mean, it all depends on your approach and the way you do things. And, you know, I, I try to learn... Like I said, I did the Team Canada, Team Quebec stuff, but if that wasn't available for some reason, then I would go to the NHL coaching seminar, spend two days there at the track. I would attend stuff. I would do webinar stuff. And sometimes I just go and sit down with coaches and do stuff. Like when I do the coaching supervision in Quebec, then sometimes I sit down after my conference and just have a chat, have a coffee with the coaches and exchange stuff. You know, it, you, you always learn. The day you stop learning is the day that you're dead as a coach. Yeah, having that mindset is so key in terms of development. And uh, it's a great point to make that just because you played doesn't mean you will be a great coach. And just because you didn't play doesn't That's mean right. that you don't have the ability. It all comes down to the way you think and your approach to the game. Absolutely. A lot of people will look to learn these skills and, and work on their craft at the junior A level as it is a, a great development level with a mix of talent as well as up-and-coming coaches. Uh, what would you say to coaches looking at this level uh, based on your experience at junior A in terms of its ability to prepare you for that next step? My advice to them is to uh, take as much information as they can and uh, take the best out of that. I mean, if you can attend a... Team Ontario, Team Newfoundland, if you can step into Team Canada stuff, uh, if you can attend stuff. And, and one of the, the biggest mistakes I see young coaches do today is they want a salary. If they don't have a salary, they won't do it. Now, I'll tell you something a lot, not a lot of people know, but my first junior A coach that I took, uh, I wasn't getting paid. And then there was a change of ownership in December and they decided to give me 50 bucks a win. I was happy. But you need to sacrifice stuff in order to get some more stuff. So you come in, do your stuff, and then eventually, once you've been coaching for a while, then you can ask for stuff. But a lot of young coaches now, what they do is they ask for stuff, and they say, well, I'm not getting enough there. I'm making more money there. It's not about the money. It's about stepping in. It's about going in the right place, at the right time, with the right people. And when I say the right people, is don't make the mistake of going just anywhere. Go somewhere where you can... You have to be able to help that team, obviously, and you have to see who you're working with. That's a big plus. And you know what? There's a lot of coaches that I've seen in major junior that are not as good as some uh, junior A coaches. I mean, I coach in junior A level against Dom Duchamp, who's coaching the Habs right now. Uh, Jules Valley who's now at the University of Moncton. There's a lot of good coaches that came to that league. And it's not, it's not a matter of league if it, that doesn't make you a good coach is the way you conduct yourself, the way you conduct your team and the way your players conduct themselves. That's what makes you a good coach. It's not where you coach because a lot of them, there's a lot of good coaches out there that are not in the right level and it doesn't really matter. 
Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot of interchanging coaches out there, yeah. and a lot of times you'll see coaches, uh, you know, probably have the ability to make that next step. It just comes down to the opportunity. But all great points there, and um, you know, I always like asking questions on advice from people uh, who've gone through the game like yourself because there's so much you, that you can learn from people in the game, and the people at my hockey resource think the same way. Their community on Discord with people from all levels, including the professional ranks, all the way down to amateur, and they just look to share ideas and, and talk about different things that they've learned from. So for anybody looking to get interested or is interested in looking into that, uh, please check out my hockey resource on Twitter and Instagram. Pat, a lot of times on that platform, they'll talk about books and articles and different resources that they like to learn from. For you personally, what are some of your favorite resources that you look to for reference or new ideas? I don't have, I don't have like websites and stuff like that, but I do, when times get tough, I do pick up the phone and, and, I, and I don't like talking on the phone, but I do pick up the phone and talk to former coaches I had, uh, guys that I coached against, coached with, and don't be afraid to go out there and, and take some advice. Don't be afraid to make some phone calls and, and pay attention to details and when I say details, I'm talking about everything. Like sometimes you go here, we have an office with all the younger, the other coaches, which most of them are younger. Sometimes I watch the way they prepare their practice, their game plan and stuff, because they have like eight desks and all the coaches are there. Pay attention and you can learn stuff every day. And, and, and you're talking about coaches here, stuff that they, they should advise. I should like, I go back to your last question. Don't be afraid as a coach to be a scout at some point. Don't be afraid to be an assistant GM. Don't be afraid to see another part of the game because the more you do, the more you know, and the more you'll understand. Because a lot of people don't understand why scouts are behaving in a certain way, assistant GM and GM. So don't be afraid to do that. But as far as to answer your, your immediate questions, my resources are people that I know. And I don't call people every week. I don't call people every month. But I'm not afraid, especially in the summer. I go for coffees with... Uh, former coaches will grab a meal. Uh, I, I use a lot of the NHL playoffs and go for some good wins and, and have a little chat about the game. I like that a lot. So, Yeah, I always enjoy those conversations as well. Oh, yeah. Definitely love to connect with people. Um, a lot of times in the summer, maybe when games have slowed down, it's a great opportunity to meet with people who have helped you in the game. And a lot of people will consider those people mentors. Uh, for you personally, yeah. who are some of those mentors who helped you in your career and what are some of the lessons that they taught you collectively? The one guy that, uh, and I'm not doing some name droppings here, but the one guy that did, uh, that was always available for me and, and never asked me anything was Bob Hartley. Um, I worked for Bob at his hockey school once and uh, he always made me feel that he was available whenever I called him. And he would call me to talk and people that know Bob knows that he can talk and he likes to talk about the game. And I really appreciate the fact that Bob was always available to me. But uh, again, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people. I don't think I have any mentors, but I think there's a lot of people that I, you know, that I would pay attention to any advice they would give me. And, and, and the one, you know, the one thing I know is that there's a lot of people I mean, I can name you names that you don't even know because they never coach at a high level, but I know that I get a straight answer from that, right? And, uh, and sometimes I would take one of my games here from Geneva and send it to a former coach or a friend and say, look at it, tell me what you see. Sometimes I'll come up with stuff that I disagree, so I don't 
pay attention. Sometimes they would uh, look at it and say, maybe you should look into that and that. So uh, I don't have any mentors, but I've, I've got a lot of people I talk to. Yeah, a lot of friends and, and a lot of times yeah. in hockey and in the game, it's just a community of people with idea sharing yeah. and, uh, you know, sometimes they can be younger than you. Sometimes it could be someone Doesn't that you matter. miss. Uh, I know someone that I met in, in senior hockey who, who was just a volunteer general manager pretty much uh, run the team is somebody that I lean on. So it's uh, it's impressive yeah. when you think about it, the the places and the, the different people that you can look to for, um, you know, guidance and, and idea sharing. You know, where, wherever there's passion, there's somebody out there that's paying attention to some details. And you never know what, what people will come up. And, and, you know, if you surround yourself with people with passion, then your own passion and fire will stay on forever. Yeah, it's a, a great point. And leading into our final question here, if you could go back in time, maybe talking to yourself as you were still playing or somebody who's looking to make the transition into coaching, What's one piece of advice that you would give in terms of helping them be successful in coaching and hockey operations overall? Well, the one advice I would give them, uh, you know, when I came to Geneva here a year and a half ago, I had to take that decision with the natural gas company and I left natural gas to be a full-time coach. Now, sometimes you need to follow your guts and go with your own personal feelings. It doesn't mean you don't take anybody's advice, but at the end of the day, you know what's right, you know what's wrong. Um, don't think don't think you can be a hockey coach to a certain level. Um, and don't think you can get there without being disappointed, without feeling that it's not fair. Don't think you're gonna get there and it's gonna be easy. It's gonna be hard before you're a full-time coach and a good hockey job. It takes a lot of work. And I think a lot of people are, a lot of people are, are asking, their, a lot of coaches are asking their players to work in the summer and say, you should do this in the office, you should work on your speed, you should work on this on that. But what do you do as a coach? So my advice to, to any guy that, that wants to, to, to move on to coaching is that you have to keep working. If you work as much as everybody else, you remain as much as everybody else. If you work more, then maybe you have a chance to become and to become a good, a coach to me, it's not, and obviously I would do anything to coach in NHL like everybody else, right? It's just to be comfortable in the position where you are, but don't think it's going to be easy. A lot of younger coach I see are, are not willing to sacrifice. They're not willing to take a pay cut. We're talking about money before spending the time in the, you know, the, the U15 teams when you're a young coach, you know, you got to do that. You got to learn meet people you got to do those effort you have to read books small groups books and stuff like that you have to go to attend conferences it's not a matter of shaking hands with everybody i hate doing that i go to conferences people like did you talk to me i don't talk to people unless they talk to me i'm just not like that it's not part of my personality maybe i should but i'm not like that but my point is don't think you can be a coach if you're not prepared to put the hours time and if you're not prepared to be disappointed because you'll be disappointed more than once. And you'll feel, at some point, you'll feel it's unfair. And like I was talking before, I was talking, telling you that uh, as a young coach, I had all these phone calls, and today I'm 200 times better coach than I was at the time. And the phone rings, but not for the same positions, not for the same things. And I'm very happy where I am in Geneva here, working with the pro team, uh, having a step on the ice with them. I like that, uh, working here full-time. My point is, 
don't go into coaching thinking you're going to be on top if you don't make the sacrifice that goes with it. Because all the coaches out there will tell you the same thing. It wasn't always easy. No, it's definitely not easy uh, at all. And, and it takes a lot of work and effort. But if you, you know, bury your head and, and put in the work and, and look to that's work right. harder than everybody else in the room, good things will come. Absolutely. Uh, Pat, I think that's a tremendous piece of advice to finish off the interview. So again, I just want to thank you for joining me today and uh, talking about your career and talking a little bit about philosophy. And I wish yeah. you all the best moving forward. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. All the best. I would like to thank Pat for joining me on the podcast and indulging in a conversation of multiple coaching-related topics. I learned a lot from talking with Pat, especially the differences between hockey in North America and in Switzerland, which I'm sure others did as well. If you would like to get in touch with Pat to learn about his experiences, I encourage you to reach out to him directly, or you can contact HockeyMindsPodcast at Outlook.com, and I can help make that connection for you. Next on the podcast, I'll be joined by Norman Poisson former NHL amateur scout. With a long career in the game, including a stint with the Quebec Nordiques, it looks to be an insightful interview, which I would suggest all listeners tune into. Once again, thank you to everyone for supporting the podcast and for helping us have a great start to the new year. We have a number of guests lined up in the near future and look forward to providing more content moving forward. As always, stay safe and all the best.